In this video, our hope is to cover Romans chapter 7. We have 25 verses, but the structure and thematic arrangement of the chapter lends itself to coverage of the material in one class. And if we have a good understanding of where we've been prior to chapter 7, that will help us greatly to cover Romans chapter 7 during this video. Let's begin by reading the chapter. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives? For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, and if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. I'm continuing now at verse 7 in Romans chapter 7. What then shall we say, that the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had been, I'm sorry, yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death for me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and righteous, and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me, through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, 
I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I do, verse 21, let me start again. So I find it to be a law that when I do, when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Well, you can see that's a difficult chapter just to read. But here's where we are in the book of Romans. The problem in the human race is sin. The provision of God to solve the problem is forgiveness offered in Christ based on His death. But not only does God offer forgiveness in Christ, He also offers power to walk in newness of life. Chapter 6 teaches, Sin cannot be defended, for the wages of sin is death. But by the activity of our faith, we can receive from a generous God the gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, there are essentially two things developed by the Apostle Paul in chapter 7 of Romans. One, in verses 1 through 12, the law of Moses certainly had its place and its divine purpose. But because of the death of Christ, those who were under the law are no longer subject to it. Two, Paul describes the struggle of one who seeks to be justified by keeping that law. Paul continues to make some of the same points made earlier, but he uses some different literary devices and methods of argument in this chapter. Two essential points. Because of the cross, those who were under the law of Moses are no longer bound by it, and Paul describes the struggle of those who seek to be justified by the law. I believe we can cover this in one session. First, this passage brings up the subject of marriage and what is said here about marriage is true, but the main subject is not marriage. So Paul doesn't cover every conceivable aspect of the law of God regarding marriage, but that aspect that pertains to the point that he seeks to make. Imagine you are a Jew and your whole background and religious culture 
has been tied to the law of Moses. Some of the first words you heard as a little baby, the Ten Commandments. Your schooling, your family traditions, your religious ritual, your friends, your whole life bound to the law of Moses. Much the same as we are connected to the New Testament. Now, this man comes on the scene, Jesus of Nazareth. And after his death, his men, the apostles, are preaching Christ and him crucified. And you listen and you eventually believe and you obey the gospel and you are now a Christian, you live in Rome. But you still have these lingering thoughts or questions about the law of Moses. You've heard Paul say and write that we are not under that law. You wonder about all of this and no doubt you need more teaching. And the more teaching that you need, the more is given by God. And the picture or illustration Paul uses here is based on God's law of marriage. As I said before, he doesn't use everything that's within God's law of marriage. He uses that part of it that pertains to what he needs to say. So a husband and wife are married. They are bound together by law, but a death occurs. The husband dies leaving the wife free to marry someone else. Likewise, the Jews had been tied to God through the law of Moses, but a death occurred, leaving the Jews free from the law of Moses to be joined to God through Jesus Christ. So the thrust of the, uh, of the illustration is <coughs> death severing a relationship. A death occurs and the marriage relationship is severed, leaving the surviving spouse free to join to another. Well, a death occurred on the cross, leaving the Jews free to join themselves to Christ. There are several expressions in this context which make this very point. Verse 4, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. Verse 6, we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by. The main point of this is, just as a widow is no longer bound to her dead husband and therefore is free to remarry, the Jews were no longer bound to the law of Moses. They could now enter into a relationship with God, not through the law of Moses, but through Jesus Christ to bear fruit to God. There are a couple of things here I'll make some comments on before we move into the next part of Romans 7. Verse 5, But when we were in the flesh, the passions of sin, which were aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Verse 6, But now we've been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. This is a contrast between the past and the present. In the past, the Jews had lived in the flesh, involved in the passions of sins, those passions being aroused by the law and at work in their members, bearing fruit to death. Paul is saying that's the condition you were in back under the dominion of the law 
and you were in that condition, not because the law was to blame, but because you chose to disobey it. Now he says in the present, he's writing to the Christians in Rome, but now you've been delivered from that law so that you can serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Paul wants the Jews to appreciate what they have as Christians under the gospel. He wants both Jews and Gentiles to appreciate that, those who were Christians in Rome. He wants the Jews to appreciate they're no longer under the old law they had been held by. They are now in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Now verses 7 through 12. That may seem to be difficult at first. In this passage, Paul is doing something that I call vindicating the law. Paul has taught the Jews who had been under Old Testament law were discharged from it when Christ died. But this didn't mean the law was a bad thing or that the law was sin. No. Some were so rebelliously established in sin Verse 5 says the passions of sin were aroused in by the law, aroused in them by the law. Still, this didn't mean the law was something bad or sinful. Is the law sin? Paul says certainly not. In fact, one good thing about the law is, Paul says, I would not have known sin except by the law. The problem wasn't the law, but man's inclination to disobey it. The problem was sin taking opportunity by the commandment and sin causing spiritual death. For sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it killed me. Here's a statement in verse 11 that directly identifies the problem as sin. The problem isn't the law. The problem isn't God or His law. The problem is the attitude toward the lawgiver that results in disobedience. Now the next part that may be even a little harder. We know the Jews who had been under the old law were discharged from that law by the death of Christ. And we know this doesn't mean the law was the problem, for the law is holy, the commandment is holy and just and good. Now, the rest of Romans 7, I believe, is a statement of the struggle against sin Paul experienced while he was seeking to be justified by that old law and yet practicing sin. Let me say that again. In verses 13 to 25, I believe this is Paul's statement of the struggle that he experienced while under that old law, while trying to be justified by it, but yet while practicing sin. Let me walk through some of this. It is asserted by some commentators that this is about the normal, constant experience of every Christian. It is argued that this is about that inner conflict that is constant within us, as we are torn between good and evil. I have a problem with that viewpoint. The problem I have with that viewpoint is the person described in verses 13 to 25. Let's look back through 13 to 25 
and see that person who is described, a person in whom sin dwells, verses 13, 17, and 20, the person who is carnal and sold under sin, verse 14, the person who does what he hates, the person who does what he doesn't want to do in verse 16, the person who must confess in me nothing good dwells, the person who practices evil, evil is present in me, verse 21, he's in captivity to the law of sin, and verse 24, a wretched man. Now, whatever this passage is about, you can see this is the person described in these verses I've cited that you can read on the page there. Now, how is a Christian described? Well, back in chapter 6, here's how a Christian is described. Buried with Christ in baptism, walking in newness of life, the old man of sin has been crucified, no longer a slave to sin, dead to sin, alive to God, obedient to righteousness, slaves of righteousness for holiness, slaves of God, verse 22. It just seems to me we're not talking about the same kind of person. When you compare chapter 6 and chapter 7, so I have trouble thinking about a Christian in chapter 7 as sold under sin in captivity to the law of sin and being wretched. So my conclusion is Paul in verses 13 to 25 is describing his own struggle to be justified by the law of Moses, though he was guilty of sin. And notice the conclusion that leads you right into chapter 8, verse 1. <clears throat> the conclusion in verse 25 that leads you right into chapter 8, verse 21. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I believe the idea is, Paul is saying, when I tried to save myself by keeping the law of Moses, I was condemned. Condemned by my flesh, my desire to sin. But now, there is therefore now no condemnation. Sin is forgiven and defeated. Motives are purified. There's the ability to serve God by being a disciple of Christ. Back then, Paul says, when I was a sinner, trying to save myself by keeping the law, I was wretched, condemned, and worthy of death. Now, in Christ, I walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Thank you for being a part of this study of Romans chapter 7.